everybody. This is Kyle uh, with the Young Legend Street Hockey Podcast. We are finally back after, uh, I would say, a year and a half hiatus. It's been a little while. We've been very busy with our own rink development. But today, um, I've, got a, I've got a superstar for, for a guest. We got Anthony San Rocco, who's back from the NBHL. Most people in the ball hockey world know him. But joining me also today, who's going to be sort of co-hosting as we progress with the podcast, is my brother, Danny. Uh, he's also the vice president of Young Legend Street Hockey. So, Dan, how's it going? Ah, it's going good. Not too bad. It's it's finally nice to, you know, get together and start, you know, really get into a groove where we want to start to do these more often, you know, so that we keep, you know, keeping people up to date because myself and Kyle talk, you know, on a regular basis. We have a million ideas, a lot of things going on. And I think a big part of this and, and having Anthony on here is having people that, you know, aren't exposed to the ball hockey world. You know, it's a very small niche market in Gloucester and and even myself Kyle has exposed me to this whole other world and I think the earlier we can get kids exposed to this idea that you can play street hockey for fun you can play street hockey at a really high level you know it's kind of a really exciting things to start to you know obviously the buzzword is always grow the game but it's 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 about growing the game but also you know targeted to you know exciting kids that there is a future beyond like just playing for a few summers in our league and things like that. So, you know, it's definitely a really exciting time. So, you know. Absolutely. We've, uh, we've worked really hard this year trying to grow, um, you know, everything we're doing in Gloucester with, uh, and I have to say Gloucester Mass because as Anthony knows, Gloucester, <laughs> Jersey, Gloucester New Jersey is very popular in the ball hockey world. So I don't want to um, confuse anybody, but uh, it's been an exciting year. Danny's done a, amazing work with me we do have a lot of ideas a lot of things that are in our pipeline that are growing so um but but again more importantly today's guest uh many of you guys know anthony san rock commissioner of the the nbhl which has had a phenomenal year uh anthony congratulations on on this you've done a, a, an amazing job um so congrats tell us a little bit about the journey this year thank you yeah it's uh it's been it's been a little crazy sometimes it's been up and down but Overall, like the four of us that run it, it's uh, myself, my brother Gianni, my buddy TJ Janice, and my other buddy Matt Strybeck. We all have our own little roles and, you know, we're constantly communicating, doing stuff every single day. And it's been a blast. There have been a ton of little challenges that have come up across the way. We've learned a ton. We got to change a bunch of things for next year. But overall, I mean, we've gotten to this point. We got the Mylac Cup coming up in two weeks. Every team is going to be making it out there. All 17 teams that qualified. So we couldn't have really asked for more. And like the support, like everyone's really embraced it, which is the coolest thing. Um, you know, something like this is, you know, something I'd always wanted to happen. And I think, you know, that NBHL wasn't a goal of mine. It was a goal of the sport in general. And for it to finally have taken off and gotten to this level and be embraced the way it has, get all the players in it and, the level of competition, like the games, like even like as the regular season got to the end and we got to the playoffs, the intensity was, I mean, we got so excited when the highlights would come and just so we could, you know, watch the game winning goals, watch the overtimes, all that type of stuff, because the intensity was crazy. So we're happy we're at this point. We're ready for the Mylet Cup. We're bearing down, getting everything finalized for it. And um, yeah, we're a couple weeks away. Well done. Tell us, I mean, tell us a little bit about how, how many teams you end up having or the divisions separated. Um, I know you and I have texted that I think Florida's coming on board, but I mean, this year, how many divisions were there? There were 12 this year. Um, 
we had we had one we had Buffalo we had two in Massachusetts we had the Massachusetts division in New England um, we had Pittsburgh we had Philly we had New Jersey tier one New Jersey tier two Washington D.C. Chicago Texas California and the Pacific Northwest so we had twelve of them uh, we had seventy six teams across those twelve divisions and I don't want to put an exact number on it but we're going to expand I think pretty significantly next year I know a lot of our areas that had tier ones and tier twos that were just the only division in the area are going to add a lower tier beneath what they already have. Um, we've definitely spoken with some new areas. I've spoken with people in Florida. They're really excited about it. Um, I've talked to Detroit. Um, I've talked to uh, a bunch of guys in like the Kansas city, St. Louis area. We're doing like a Midwest thing. Um, talked to some people in Colorado. So there's a lot of things in the works. Nothing's official yet, but um Right now, we have 24 divisions that we think are possible for next year. We don't know if they'll all come to come to light and actually become a reality, but we have interest from a lot of areas that weren't in the league last year, and we want and the areas that were in the league last year all, for the most part, have said that they expect to expand, whether it be another tier or just adding more teams. So looks like it's going to grow. That's a, that's a pretty impressive uh, number of teams and people. Um, what what would you say? What would you say would be ideal for you guys? For the four of you that are running this, how many divisions would you actually want? I mean, for the workload we have right now, twelve divisions is pretty much the max that we can handle. And with with expanding next year, we're going to have to bring some interns and hire some people to help us with the extra workload. So there's really, you know no amount that I don't think we could find a way to manage as it stands right now. I think we're kind of maxed out, but next year as we add these other divisions and we've already spoken to people who are interested in coming on board and becoming a part of this. So we'll have to delegate some of our work to other people. But um, I mean, we just wanted to get as big as we can. We want everyone who could possibly want to be a part of it to, you know, have the opportunity to do it. And we're getting close to that. I know, I mean, some people travel crazy distances to play. Um, one of the guys in Portland, a guy named Tyler Zemecki, who's a really good player, um, he lives in Idaho, and he drives to Portland to come play in the games just because he wanted to be a part of it, and he loved it. He said he'll be back next year, and um, he played great. He got second team all division. So basically, like, we're just trying to make it so if you want to play and you're willing to make the drive somewhere, we can try to fit you in somewhere. So just, you know trying to get it as widespread as we can. Absolutely. I mean, it's, it's, it's interesting that you say that. Danny and I had this conversation about, obviously, this was a little while ago. When we saw, when we saw New England came on board, I know that's Eddie Cost is ranked down in Fall River, and he does an awesome job down there. Um, we had chatted about, you know, saturate, saturating the market here for NBHL teams in Massachusetts. Um, but is that a concern for maybe down the road? Like, for example – uh, you might have a state like California where would you want it spread out like three different divisions across the state or two, or is that not an issue? It's, it's kind of playing it by ear. Like we want to, we want to, you know, stay loyal to the people who have put the time in and made their divisions and make them our priority. But, you know, say, you know, somewhere in California and like Northern California, they wanted to do a division, probably wouldn't take anything away from the guys out in Southern Cali. We'd have no issue with that. And I know like, you know, next year, North Jersey wants to add a division. 
Um, they'll probably take a couple teams from South Jersey, but the guys in South Jersey who run it are cool with that because they have more teams that want to come into South Jersey. So there's a trade-off. Um, there might be some areas where teams bounce around a little bit, but we're going to do everything we can to kind of keep everybody where they were last year. I don't think that next year that will be much of an issue. I don't, <clears throat> the, the only one that I really see taking teams from another division is that North Jersey division. Okay. And that one's fine. Otherwise, everyone, you know, should pretty much have the same opportunities to play where they were last year. Excellent. Twelve. So, so 12 divisions possibly expanding next year. I mean, that's a great accomplishment. First year, I, I know you guys, you know, matched the Eve Sham Ball Hockey League that you started originally. This has gone – I mean, I, I quick story. I played down in North Americans this year on the uh, novice division. First ever ball hockey team. I played with a team from Orlando because I have our Danny and I, our treasurer, Benjamin Cola, is actually from uh, Gloucester, Mass. And then he moved to Orlando. He works at Disney. And I, I went down there and played. And it was my first ever, you know, legitimate ball hockey tournament where, um, wow, was I a novice. Uh, I, I, I probably prefer playing the, in the rec division. Um, you know, just, just the little things is it was, you know, the ball would come up the boards, spin off the boards. And, you know, a puck stays true, right? You know, unless it hits something off the, off the uh, kick plate a puck is really going to go where you expect it to go. The ball just spun everywhere. I'm like, wow, this is, I'm terrible. <laughs> but again, yeah. you, you got, you got, that's, that's me playing an ice hockey player. I, I have a lot to learn, but anyway, as I was down there, you know me, I'm a pretty friendly guy. I talk to people and there was a team from Buffalo there. Um, and I'm like, Hey, you guys, you guys playing the NBHL uh, met a team from Massachusetts down there. You guys playing the NBHL. Most of those guys are like, yep, we're playing. We're getting ready to go in a couple of weeks. Um, so it was just really, it was, you could tell the excitement too from some of the guys that I talked to that there was going to be a real legitimate league. And I think it was, uh, I think it was Nick Carter that was talking about um, from Massachusetts. He was saying, he's like, this is, this is pretty legitimate. I think it was on the Deck Hockey Focus podcast where he's like, this is pretty intense hockey, good hockey. So uh, I'm paraphrasing now after what I said. So it, it's been yeah. a, uh, it's been fun for me to follow on, on Instagram and, and Facebook and it's pretty cool just to be able to watch some of the games on it's Twitch, right? I'm not, I don't want to. Yeah, we do like Joey Delgado with his memory to video productions. Um, we've been fortunate enough to have him be the most committed person on the planet to this. And he's been driving all over the country. He's an incredible dude. And he's been doing live streams and we've hit, I think we hit 10 of our 12 divisions got to do the live stream. Um, we can get it to Texas. We can get to the Pacific Northwest, but we're hoping we'll change that next year. But, yeah, he would do his live streams on Twitch with the announcers, uh, the instant replay, all the camera angles and stuff. They did a I – can't, I can't speak highly enough of how he did it. He did awesome. Awesome. And then, yeah, I mean, we have – some of the divisions will uh, live stream on Instagram. There's little ones that you can catch here and there. And I know for the Milek Cup, we'll have every game streamed. And um, some – depending on the rank, it'll be on a different social media platform. But – well, before it starts, we'll have a very accessible, easy way to explain like, hey, if you're looking for a game, here's what the rink it's going to be. Here's a live stream it's going to be on. So we'll have it laid out for everyone pretty clearly where how to watch what you're trying to watch. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah, that's, that's really cool. Um, again, I, I, I've been I've been watching a little bit, a little bit of it as well. Uh, I do follow you guys quite heavily. So um, Dan, feel free to jump in if you have a question. I, I 
Yeah, I mean, I think just with the stream, the live streaming stuff, I think is definitely, you know, an impressive thing because for us, you know, it's an area that we would like to get into um, that's, you know, linking a real camera to a real setup to a real kind of, you know, configuration where we can have the games stored, but then also live. Whereas right now we'll just do kind of a Facebook live really quickly on someone's phone. So you're getting kind of a, uh, you know, a decent experience, but I mean, even just taking that phone and putting it on some type of, you know, gimbal or something that gives you more like fluid stabilization would be cool. So yeah. we've kind of like thought of making those kind of investments once we have the rink. I think one thing that's always held us back that's kind of interesting. I don't know if this is a problem that you guys have is we're in a very remote kind of area. It's right on the water. So like even just from a, there's no Wi-Fi close. So like sometimes you're very restricted to the idea of even being able to connect to a signal that would be reliable enough to actually stream it. So sometimes that's why we focused on the small chunks. But with the rink, we are trying to get it configured where we would wire into the cities like Ethernet and things like that. So it opens up a lot of cool possibilities um, but we've definitely only scratched the surface as to how to have a nice enough camera and things like that. So it's, it's an avenue that we're definitely highly interested in. Yeah, I mean, the live streaming stuff was an opportunity that came to us like a couple weeks before the season started. We didn't even know we were going to be doing the memory to video Twitch live streams until we talked to Joey. I think it was probably early March is when the opportunity came. So that was a new thing. But doing you know, the video at each division, like we just used an iPhone for a lot of these divisions and we're going to change up how we do it next year. It'll be a little more streamlined. It'll be clear picture, I think, from how we're looking at doing it. But most of the divisions, they just had someone to stand at the red line with an iPhone and just kind of go back and forth and watch the play. And they'd send the video to us. And it was simple as that. The, the iPhone's video quality, it's not perfect. It's not, you know, the most amazing video quality, but it gets the job done. You can see what happens in the play and you might have to zoom in a little bit and it pixelates a little bit, but it does well enough. Yeah. Absolutely. We, we, uh, we've looked at a couple of different angles on, um, you know, I'm just going to make fun of myself here. I'm probably one of the worst people that does the Facebook <laughs> live because I'm looking at different things. You know, I'm trying to evaluate the players and at the same time, you, you know, I'll, I might lose sight, sight of the ball. So, uh, <laughs> Dan, I talked about me getting, hiring someone that could do that for us, but, Overall, if you were to look at, you know, this season, last six months, what would be your biggest, you know, highlights? Um, I just, I got such a thrill out of seeing how competitive the games got. I just thought it was cool to see these guys that, you know, I've played in like major A tournaments and are some of the best players in the sport, you know, playing in their local league and, you know, getting pretty pumped after scoring a goal, like, I know that a lot of the local level leagues that I played in the past, like people score a goal and there's like, all right, we just go to the face off. Like it's really, you know, it's just scoring a goal. But um, as the season amped up and people got more into it, just the passion, the intensity went up and it was, it was what we hoped to see. And it was great to see it actually come to life. And, you know, the passion is so intense that we're doing. We're putting three refs on for every game at the Milak Cup. Like we need to be able to, to see everything. We don't want to miss anything and get anyone mad at us. But, um, yeah, I mean, I think that was the coolest part for us. We would always send videos back and forth, like, yo, look at this celly. Like, look at this celebration. How sick is this? Like, stuff like that. So it was just, I, I mean, there are so many different avenues I could talk about that I, 
I love, but that was, I'd say between the four of us, that was the thing that we got the most enjoyment out of for seeing that. Absolutely. Yeah. Like, again, I mean, to me, and again, congrats, because this has been a, uh, you know, following it, there's been some really, I think what it shows is that there was a, a need to sort of create this, this program for people to have like a, a uniform type of thing, uniform type of league, excuse me. I think it's, a, you know, like I said, I've, from the people that I've chatted with, uh, like, like I mentioned, Steve Gregory was really excited when I talked to him at the Future Stars this past weekend. And um, he was saying, yeah, we got our game tomorrow night, which I think his team lost, correct? Uh, it did, Pioneer, yeah. Pioneer. Okay. Um, again, I tried to watch some of that game. Um, yeah. But as you, as you guys progress, why don't we take a step back and sort of what I've been hitting at is, you know, how did this all come to fruition? How did you guys, you know, how did this start? It's been, it's been a little while since we've talked to you. So just as a yeah. reminder on yeah, how yeah. this all began. So I guess like the groundwork started back in 2015. Uh, me and TJ, Janice, I mentioned before, who's part of the NBHL now and TJ's older brother, Pat, we were shooting around on a rink in South Jersey and just a small little concrete rink. And we was like, let's just make a league here. And with all our friends, and we made a four on four league. And we did that league on the concrete for uh, four years from 2015 to 2018. Each year, the number of players varied, but the skill level increased. Like we would see more high level players coming in, people from further away coming into play and, we kind of attribute that to just, you know, we had a website, we kept track of stats, we had standing. So we tried to make it as like legitimate as we possibly could. So yeah, we started having more, more skill, more talent come into it. And then summer of 2018 um, was the first time we came up with a draft for the National Ball Hockey League. I um, met with Scott Tarzi, used to be one of the GMs of the junior national team. And said to him like, hey, like, do you think this is something that could happen? And he said, yeah, I, I do think it could happen. I think you should grow the EBHL into this. Um, the EBHL obviously was that league we did for four years. And I was like, yeah, that's actually a good idea. So I pitched the idea to TJ and um, Pat had stopped working with the EBHL at that time. My brother Gianni had come on. So I went to TJ and G. I'm like, look, I think that we could do this. Um, I think that we can kind of grow our league into it and, the timing ended up being perfect that Marlton had just built um, or just resurfaced their rinks with deck. And we said, let's move our league over there, make it five on five, see if we can get everybody in there. And we did. We moved it over there. Um, we had 10 teams. There were 18 man rosters, which was usually the you know local leagues you're running with 12 guys, seven guys show up um, at a third period. The game's pace is pretty slow. We kind of encourage having bigger rosters to make the game pace stay high. And, you know, we taught ourselves how to edit video, how to edit graphics. And we wanted to do highlights of every single game. And our goal was pretty much to get in touch with, you know, I mean, no one knew who we were. So we were just hoping we could get in touch with the people at USA Ball Hockey and, you know, hopefully coordinate with them and see if we can get the National League. And um, I think it was maybe around... June of our 2019 season, uh, Corey Hirsch reached out to me and we started talking, bouncing ideas back and forth. And, you know, I said to him, like, I want to make this National Ball Hockey League. Corey was like, you know, we can do it to USA Ball Hockey. He'll be the commissioner. And I was like, 
yeah, like, great. Like, let's, <laughs> let's make it happen. So Corey was able to connect us with, you know, rank leaders all across the country. And um, our first like meeting for the NBHL was in the like winter, fall, winter of 2019. I think it was November. And I pretty much did a PowerPoint presentation to maybe like 10 or so rank leaders um, just, you know, across the country. And after that meeting, Pittsburgh, Chicago, Massachusetts, DC, and New Jersey were all like, yeah, we're in, we'll try it. So 2020, we're getting ready to go. We're going to start in April and then the pandemic hit. So yeah. we had to cancel, like we probably canceled it like a month or two before the season. And we tried to find little ways to make it happen, you know, do a tournament in August or just bring everyone together in September and just, you know, with the uncertainty that I think was like, we, we'll just cancel and we'll just focus on getting more divisions for next year. And what ended up happening is we just started talking with more people and reaching out and connecting more and social media helped because even though we didn't have a season, we still started to get some sort of a following. So people started seeing our content. Um, I think in that point, Matt Strybeck came on board and he does all our graph, does the graphic design. He does amazing stuff. And um, we were now able to add Texas. We were able to add Philly, uh, second tier New Jersey. Um, we added California, the Pacific Northwest, Buffalo, and uh, New England. So we added those seven divisions and we were at 12. And then the team started forming and everything came together and um, we kicked off in April. And we've been just kind of going at it since then. So, you know, it's been a long process. It's been a lot of work leading into this. And, we all like me and TJ talk about it. Like, you know, who would have thought that us being at that little rink in 2015 would have led to this tournament that we're going to have in a couple of weeks, but we're just, we just can't wait to see what happens. Cause I mean, we have no idea who's going to win. We, 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 we I, I couldn't even make a accurate guess on who I think is going to win. So it's going to be exciting. And yeah, it's been a long time coming, but we, we can't wait for it. Are you playing in the Mila cup? Is your team in? My team did make it, yeah. So I play on the Seattle Cold Snacks out in the uh, Pacific Northwest. Yeah, we had a we have a really solid team. It's a a group of guys. When I first moved out to Seattle, they have uh, Seattle street hockey, and they would play pickup games. Uh, a guy named Vinny is the guy who's been organizing it for like years. It's been you know probably I think it's like 15, 20 years. I don't know exactly, but it's been around for forever. And I started playing with them. Uh, my buddy Justin Pinkerton, actually from Marlton, he moved out to the Pacific Northwest a little bit before I did. And when he lived in Seattle, he played with them too. So he kind of helped me connect with them. Started playing pickup games with them and um, got close with some of the guys. And I actually moved back to Philly, South Jersey for a little bit. And when I moved back out to Seattle um, in September of 2020, I pitched the idea to the NBHL to a bunch of different street hockey groups I found in the area. And um, the Seattle street hockey guys, we decided to be the cold snacks. Um, Montucky cold snacks is a beer we would drink every, every time we played pickup, we go to this bar called Olaf's. We'd go drink a bunch of, bun of uh, I don't know what I just said, a bunch of Montucky cold snacks. And uh, we, you know, asked them if they wanted to sponsor us. They said, sure. We named the team after them. And it's kind of in history from there. We went 12 and 0. I actually missed most of the season. I hurt my knee at the club championship. So I was out for a couple months. But uh, we got some stud players, and yeah, we um, we got most of the team coming to Jersey. I think we have like twelve to thirteen guys coming out, so everyone's excited. I think they're 
they're texting our group chat right now about playing some games this weekend just to, you know, they always play every weekend, but, you know, we're keeping the legs, keeping the legs active and, you know, flying a bunch of dudes from the Pacific Northwest out to South Jersey to play some hockey. Should be fun. <laughs> Pretty cool. Yeah. Pretty cool. Um, so how do you, I've looked at some of the divisions because you guys have done a, a great job of showing the playoff format on your brackets, which my brother can tell you about making brackets on our site <laughs> was, a, was fun for him. But uh, how do how did the brackets work for playoffs? How many teams made it for just the regional playoff? How did that work? And then we can flow into the Milo Cup a little bit. So we had like the two season formats that we kind of did this year. We had what we called like a traditional season where the teams played weekly games on a Sunday um, or we had the tournament style seasons where they would play monthly games. And, you know, the traditional was for the teams that are pretty close together. You know, they, they don't, they're not traveling more than a half hour, an hour to come play the games. The tournament style is teams are traveling a couple hours. I know in California, we had a team that would drive or fly in from Vegas, which is either a four hour drive or I'm not sure how long the flight is, I guess like an hour. And we had a team from San Francisco that would fly in a couple of times. So that's why they would play once a month. So they didn't, you know, have to travel that often. So the playoffs formats were different for both. With the traditional style, they could play every week. So we would have them play best of three series. We would have like the top 60% of teams, give or take, make the playoffs. And yeah, it would be best of three. Some of the divisions had play-in games where, It'll be a one game playoff to make it to the actual playoffs, that type of thing. Um, and yeah, those were all best of three. Whereas the tournament style, they would play a one day, one loss elimination style tournament. You know, we weren't going to make those teams travel twice. San Francisco, we weren't going to make fly to California twice. So California, that was the one that was live streamed. Um, you know, they had four games back-to-back. -back. It led to the Orange County Wolves and the Bashers, Bay Area Bashers in the finals, and the Wolves won in overtime. It was probably the game of the year, honestly. We had the most viewers on a live stream we've ever had. It was great. But, yeah, depending on the season format, uh, determined, you know, how many playoff games you would be able to have and what, you know, how many, if it was best of three or single loss. So, yeah, we try to make it easier, easiest on travel for the teams, however we could do it. You, you mentioned this. How do you actually qualify for the Milet Cup? So in tier one, the winner and the runner-up qualify. So we had, we had five divisions in tier one. It was Buffalo, Massachusetts, New Jersey, Pittsburgh, and New England. So of those five divisions, the two teams that made it to the finals are all in the Milet Cup. For our tier two divisions, you had to win that division to make it. So we have seven teams from uh, tier two that made it to the Milet Cup. Um, so that's uh, D.C., Texas, Chicago, Philly, New Jersey, Cali, and the Pacific Northwest. Um, those teams will not play each other. Like, Tier 1 and Tier 2 will not play each other at the Milet Cup. Like, Tier 1 has its own tournament. Tier 2 has their own tournament. They're at the same spot. And they have the – each one will determine their own champion. Interesting. That's interesting. And, and I, I forget it. You might already have mentioned this, but where is the Milet Cup this year? It'll be in Marlton, New Jersey. Okay. Yeah. Originally, we had talked about doing it in D.C., but the issue that came up was we needed to have more than one rink. Uh, D.C.'s rink facilities, there was one There was one rink. I think there were some maybe like 30 to 40 minutes away, but we kind of wanted to keep everybody together. And 
to my knowledge, and I'd be happy to learn that there are more options in this, but there are only two three ring complexes that are fully deck that I'm aware of, which are in Marlton, New Jersey and Fitchburg, Massachusetts. And, um, you know, we picked Marlton. It's a little more centrally located for everyone in New Jersey as opposed to going up to Mass. And I think for us, too, for our first one, it was just easier for us to do it in our backyard. We know a lot of the vendors, like the food trucks we have come in, like the people that are going to be there representing and having stands and stuff. Like, it was just easier for us to do it in a more comfortable setting for us where it just kind of worked out that way. So, yeah, Marlton, New Jersey. It's like 20 minutes outside of Philly. So, Okay. That, that's really interesting. So um, this past weekend, I made the trip to Buffalo to help uh, USA Ball Hockey with the Future Stars event, which was top-notch. Some of the skill yeah, I heard level it was, was amazing. Looked great on social. Uh, skill level was really well. Enjoyable games. Um, you know, the, it looks like the game is in a very healthy state. I think it's only going to get bigger on, on what USA Ball Hockey's goals are. But um, I forget what I was saying. Uh, it was just – what I was so impressed with was the way the tournament was set up, the vendors being there, um, the, the, the shirts were, the uniforms, everything was, was pristine in my yeah. opinion. I mean, just so, so nice. I mean, if I was a kid, I would be vying for a spot on, on team mass, no doubt about it. Um, yeah. But, I, I wish I had that opportunity when I was younger. It's, it's, it's really cool that they're doing that. It's these, awesome. I, to, to your point, I don't know if kids realize how fortunate they are to do that. I mean, I thought, I played in a lot of ice hockey tournaments. <laughs> My brother has too. And it was just, like I said, it was top notch. Some of the, so like I said, some of the stuff these kids got was really, really cool. Um, but more than just a visual, there was, a, like I said, the vendors that were there. Um, you could get, I didn't get one. Um, maybe next time was like, it, it was like this ball hockey shirt and it had the state that you were from, like, like Penn ball hockey, you know, New Jersey ball hockey. So, um, just some, some really good stuff. But to that point, how do you go about getting vendors to come to, to your event? I mean, we just kind of started reaching out to, you know, food trucks and um, people that are local business that we thought would be interested. Like my luck will be there. They'll have a stand set up. They'll be they'll have equipment for everybody. USA Ball Hockey will have a table set up where – um, they're going to be running a youth clinic and they'll have, you know, information about them. I'm sure they'll be selling shirts as well. Um, the, uh, the documentary crew, uh, Black Rose Productions, they're doing the Floating Blue documentary. They'll have a table set up. They'll be giving out information about them. We've got uh, three food trucks that are coming. We're going to have some barbecue. We're going to have some Italian food, some pizza type stuff. We're going to have like a acai bowl smoothie type place to come. So... Yeah, and then we're working on some other stuff, too, that I can't, like, officially announce yet, but it's going to be – we're trying to make it, like, a festival-type atmosphere. Awesome. Like, you're – and from what we hear, it sounds like people are coming to just watch. I know I know in Jersey at our Tier 1 finals, we counted the crowd, and there was, like, 130 to 140 people at the game. And that was just for the Jersey division. So we figure if we have all these teams there and, um, you know, people locally coming to watch – you know, we think there's going to be pretty decent crowds at these games. So, yeah, I mean, we have – it's not like a ton of vendors, but we have, you know, stuff to keep people entertained, and we'll have, you know, some, like, games and stuff to do like that. So it should be fun. That's awesome. Yeah. What date is it? It's September 18th and 19th. It's a Saturday, Sunday. Okay. 
I just yep. realized I haven't put my calendar over yet, so I was gonna see what weekend that is. But uh, um, down, Carl. Yeah, <laughs> I I I'd love to make the trip down for sure, Anthony. I just don't think I get my wife to go. I mean. <laughs> Just to take a little sidebar, I've been to Philly with her this year for the North Americans. Uh, we did a family trip to Florida playing an Ironman down there. So I know some of the guys that are uh, Tampa. I, I know they're ready for the NBHL. Um, cool. And uh, we went to Buffalo last weekend. So uh, I don't When we had our own tournament. So and she right. was in and, you know, the signups and just the selling of waters and things like that. So it's definitely a lot, you know, on our, you know, significant others and things like that, you know, <laughs> it becomes a very time consuming hobby. The deeper you get into it, it becomes. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I, no, I get, I, 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 I get it. Man. I, <laughs> if I could make a family trip of it again, I think we would, we would be, we'll, there. we'll have live streams. We'll have plenty of ways. To go <laughs> yeah. uh, right. Right. Absolutely. So, um, I, like I said, I, I'm really excited for you guys. I mean, just from the sheer volume of, you know, from the first video that you guys did where you have Massachusetts, uh, New Jersey, Chicago, and you have the different scenery like the Zaken Bridge in Boston coming to play. That was an unbelievable production to get so get this off the ground, just getting people interested. And it's just been amazing to see it grow so quickly. And and again, to, to Danny's point at the beginning of this of this podcast today was, you know, being from Gloucester, Mass, you know, a lot of a lot of the kids that are growing up right now, they don't realize that this exists. You know, they, they understand hockey. They, they understand the game of ice. They understand, you know, their select teams, their travel teams, their house program. They understand, you know, they're Bruins fans. But they don't realize that you could play this game for a very long time like yourself. Um, and, and, and there's some big stars in this, in this league already. When you think of, like, you know, you think of Hauser, you think of Ruiz and Hildreth and those guys, you know, that are just, they continue to play and continue to, to compete. Yeah. So, like, to Danny's point earlier, you know, we're really trying to get people aware of, hey, this does exist. And um, it's a game that you can keep playing at. I mean, uh, I'm pushing 40. I hate to say it, but, uh, <laughs> you know. Yeah. I mean, growing up, like, this is, you know, when I, I remember being 15 and finishing cadets or U16, as they call it now, and my last game ended and I was like, damn, I guess I'm done playing street hockey or ball hockey. And I just remember being pretty sad after that. And then guy uh, Bobby Jones in South Jersey introduced me to the men's scene. And then I was like, oh, wow, my career is kind of just beginning at this point. There's so many more I can play for. There's a master's team. There's, you know, there's so many levels you can play at so yeah I think you know I like to think that the NBHL gives younger kids I'm like hey like you know because I remember the whole argument whenever people will get mad at people games like people will be talking like there's no college for this there's no there's no there's no there's nothing there's nowhere you can go with this and now like there's at least something you can do like you can keep playing at a high level get some recognition for it and um you know, keep competing. That's the, I think that's the biggest thing too. Is you know, I'm 29. I don't want to stop playing sports. Like as long as my body holds up, I want to keep doing it. So this is a great competitive outlet for anybody. So you know, for, for for kids, I hope they can just you know see the social media, see that we exist, and hopefully strive to get in it someday. Because I, I you know I hope this uh this exists for a long time. I like to think it will. It looks like it. Um, 
speaking speaking of that, I did want to ask you: Are there are there women playing as well? There's about twenty women in the NBHL right now, um, and we have had some discussions about a women's NBHL next year, and it looks promising. Um, so we're hoping to kind of get that going for next season as well. Yeah, yeah that's a that's an that's an important thing. I mean, um, yeah. we, we had when Danny and I we ran our we had our Ironman tournament this July. Sorry, August ended up being pushed to August due to some other scheduling conflicts. But um, you know, we did have a woman ask if she could play, and unfortunately, all the teams were full. But uh, I think that, like Danny will tell you, he has twin girls. I have three little girls that are going to be, you know, well, one of them is not ready for chipmunks, but uh, you know, they're going to be playing this fall, and I just feel like women, you know. Again, I played with a few of them down in North America, and then they were pretty good. I'm like, you know, so so I'm just it's it'll be interesting to see if they can pick it up. I know um, I know Alessandra Glista does a lot with with her. She has a tournament coming up Oktoberfest, but even to that point though, there was a boatload of girls playing at the Future Stars this past weekend. It, you know, yeah. and, they, and they were they were good. They were really good. I mean, I'm I'm you know, so I, I was just curious if if you guys had that in the in the future as well oh yeah it's we completely intend on having a women's nbhl um we don't want anybody to not be able to play so that includes women as well and um there's interest there's a bunch of areas that we think could sustain divisions we've talked to like alessandra is one of the people that we've spoken with about it um and yeah we're gonna see where it goes i'm working on the outline for the league right now and we're going to have some more conversations in the coming months about making it official, but we're working towards it 100% right now. Yeah, we really want to make it happen. Excellent. Excellent. Uh, Danny, do you have any other questions that I'm forgetting? I, uh, I don't think so. I mean, I, I think in regards to yeah, the focus, like what is the, you know, uh, I guess the age group, like, you know, us, we've always focused on younger and we're trying to get into that. Like, you know, with an actual rank, it's hard to ask, like without an actual rank, it's hard to ask, you know, adults to play on, you know, a, a, the wrong kind of surface um, and things like that. But I think as we, you know, get a rank, our focus, we don't really ever want to lose focus from the core of what created Young Legends, which was, which is our, you know, younger demographic, but, um I think we want to, you know, get into the older demographic. And is that kind of like, you know, the 18 plus that you guys focus on because it's the easiest, there's, there is so much passion and there's, there's such yeah. a need for that area, but do you guys do things, I guess, with like different age groups? Not really yet. I mean, we're our, we do 16 plus for the NBHL. Like you can't like, there's like a, there'll be a limited number of 16 to 17 ones you could have on a team. It can't be a full roster of them. But um, right now we don't have any youth stuff going on. Um, it's something we'd eventually like to dive into once we have a little more bandwidth. But for right now, it's pretty much the adult scene for us. So I, I wanted to bring this up because it was a very exciting time a couple of weeks ago. The team, the NBHL, I, I, I don't know if you called me All-Stars because they look like an All-Star team based on the names. <laughs> Your brother, Hauser, Ruiz, uh, Corey Wilson, from also from Massachusetts, and yeah. Nick Carter was out there. 
yeah. forget. I think it's Slegal. Is that is that how you pronounce his name? Yeah, Slegal. Slegal and Malone were the two others. Okay. I, yeah. I, I don't I don't know those guys as well. Um, but <laughs> when I saw that roster, I'm like, this is a really good team. This is no doubt a really good team. And yeah. so um, I I followed the tournament from your perspective, from the NBHL's perspective. Um, they won it, which I'm not surprised. But the competition that they played were NHL players. What was the guy? He's from Columbus, I believe. What was his name? Zach Wierenski. Okay. Yeah. I don't know much about him, but were you there? I, for part of it, I was. Um, I flew in Thursday night to Detroit, and I left Saturday morning, and Saturday was when the playoffs were. So we had our first two games on Friday, which I really played the first game, but we won. And then we played Wierenski's team for the first time. And we won like 11 to four or 12 to four. And then I had to fly home Saturday morning because our Pacific Northwest playoffs were Saturday or we had two regular season games Saturday night. And the playoffs were Sunday. So I wasn't there for the stuff on Saturday. I actually, I watched the championship um, at a brewery in the Portland airport. I was just, you know, <laughs> in between. I had just landed in Portland. I ran to this brewery and um, I just put on my phone and I just, Wash it by myself there. Like that's all I could really do. Um, but no, I was not there for it. My my dad actually flew out. He was out there. He said it was one of the coolest hockey ball hockey experiences he's ever had. Um, and yeah, I mean, it was just it was pretty surreal. It was it was cool because like ball hockey to an extent, like in a little bit of a bubble. Like everyone that plays like knows it, and it's not there's not a lot of ice hockey guys, not a lot of roller hockey guys. So that tournament was just a huge opportunity for us to showcase like, hey, like ball hockey is different than ice and roller and our players are really good. And this is our chance to kind of, you know, showcase that talent. And all seven guys showed up like they all played outstanding. And I know Wierenski, like after they lost to us on Friday, I guess they called one of their buddies. <laughs> it drove in and played in the championship game. And that game was way tighter. It was four to three and they won an OT. Johnny Ruiz you know, snipe one for the winner. But, um, yeah, it was it was a hell of a game. And uh, everyone, you know, played great. It was just it, – it was cool to watch. It was – because I've always thought, like, you know, ball hockey guys, the best ball hockey guys I've always thought could compete with anyone, any, any hockey player at any level. I think they're going to – you know, the game's going to be competitive. They're going to – you know, they can, they can beat some of these guys. And this was – you know, it's kind of a different environment. It wasn't five on five. It was three on three. It was on concrete. So it wasn't like the ideal situation for it. But even still, it was just a great way to showcase our league, showcase the talent the sport has, and, um, you know, kind of get on a little bit of a bigger platform. I actually watched the video of the game-winning goal the other day, and it had like 150,000 views on Twitter, which is just, I mean, it's great for us. And yeah. they didn't always refer to the NBHL. They called us different names and uh, – but even just, just, you know, just knowing it was our guys going out there and doing that, it was, it was just, it was sick. It was awesome for us. Yeah. It was, uh, it was, it was really impressive. And, and one of the things that you, you kind of hinted on is, a, is something that I've been debating, not debating, but working on all summer for USA ball hockey, the, the magazine is ice versus ball. And are they different? Are they similar? And <laughs> Oh, if I made Corey any happier because uh, it took me all summer to write the thing. And, um, you know, <laughs> it was it was it was a major tasking because from from my perspective, being an ice hockey player, I use street hockey as a way to get better. 
I could go outside. I can go outside right now, right? I can grab my stick, grab a ball, and I can go stick handle for as long as I want. I don't have to worry about ice time, anything, you know. So yeah. I'm a big advocate advocate for the for a lot of ice hockey players playing this game. But I will say that you have to be humble because when you step onto a deck rink or a ball hockey rink and you have to run 185, 160 feet, whatever the size of the rink is, you're like, this is a different game. And you have to be respectful that these guys who have played it like yourselves are going to do things that are like flat out better, you know, like you're going to be able to run a heck of a lot better than I am. So um, it's, it's, it was, it was, like I said, it was a great experience. And like I said, I, I've always played ice. So it's been um, to me, the games are equal, but I'm glad that you say that. So I'm going to, I'm going to paraphrase a quote from Ryan Whitney, um, who's also a Massachusetts guy. And uh, he and I are actually the same age, although he's about a year older than I am, uh, meaning, we're the same year, but he's about February and I'm a December. And yeah. uh, he said in his podcast, which is spitting chicklets, I'm just paraphrasing. He goes, I was so impressed. Um, I was so impressed with the final game. Um, these guys were nasty. It's definitely a different game, but these guys still have skill and they make sick plays. And I thought that pretty much summed it up from a former NHL player, a guy that is, was incredibly good growing up and, you know, was a phenomenal player. Um, I think his recognition that, that the NBHL, but the guys representing the NBHL have a lot of skill. And to your point is a, is a, uh, <laughs> it's just a, it's just a total, it's a huge compliment, I think. But I, I also think it shows that, you know, the NBHL is a real deal and people should not, yeah you know, take that lightly. So, yeah, I remember listening. Cause I mean, I listen to spit and chicklets as it is. So just being able to listen to that podcast and hear them talk about like, you know, the NBHL and a bunch of guys that I've known for years that play hockey. It was just, it was just crazy to listen to and getting the praise from them from that was, um, it, it meant a lot. Cause I, I wasn't really sure how they were going to react to us. I mean, when we were watching the championship game, I was in the spit and chicklets live stream and everyone was, you know, talking down on ball hockey, all the, not, not the people on the chicklet side, like just the people chiming in on the live stream. Sure. And I was like, wow, people really are like anti ball hockey. And like, I've always known that, but you know, even after they would, they would post stuff of us winning, like people would, you know, talk badly about us. So to get that validation from Whitney for him to kind of back us up was huge for us and huge for the sport. And I think, uh, it made a lot of people happy to hear him, you know, say that about us. It was, it was really cool. It's, it's definitely, I mean, from my perspective, you're, that's an interesting point. And, and again, that's why I say you have to be humble when you step onto a deck ring. Yeah. <laughs> just, it's, it's, it's a lot of ice hockey players. And, and Dan, do you want to tell the story about the wild selects and uh, what we experienced in Lemons? Well, yeah. Or, you know? Yeah. I think like, I think the challenge with people that, you know, Anybody, I mean, I mean, even independent of, uh, of ball hockey versus ice hockey, a lot of people, I feel like at least it's just my opinion, but, you know, people that don't understand, you know, both sides of it tend to be almost the more opinionated, which, you know, is unfortunate because like Kyle said, I think when he says that you need to be humble, it's because if you've done both, you better understand the fact that it is not, you know, apples to apples and you really need to understand the challenges and the skills that are required in both. So 
in kind of the opposite example, when we brought our Wild Selects U16 team to, to Lemonster Mass to play in their tournament, we had a lot of kids that are traditional hockey players. And, and I felt that, you know, they were, they almost were bashing on the, the ball hockey kids. And it was, and it was more of like a defense mechanism that they were almost hiding behind, you know, cause I was like, these kids, you could put ice skates on them. It doesn't matter. They'll run, you know, they'll skate circles around you and stick handle just the same, <laughs> you know, cause I, you know, cause we're trying to get them to understand, like, I, I understand you're probably uncomfortable. You're trying to like have an excuse to a certain degree because it was kind of like shell-shocked when we played the New Jersey Panthers they had like three lines two goalies their warm-up kind of intimidated everyone so then they started talking about like ice hockey and it was like if you could run out here length to length you're going to be a thousand time better hockey player so you know we need to throw that baggage aside you know, meanwhile, they probably had like ice hockey, you know, pads on and that restricted their movement. And it was a hell, it was a hell of a learning experience, I think, for all of us. Yeah. But it was a good example of, you know, when you people don't understand both sides of it, but then have, you know, way too much to say, you know, about it. So it was an interesting experience. Yeah, I, th I think that's something that uh, a lot of ball hockey players have experienced. Like, for me, I played a year of ice hockey and I was 12. Like, I, I, I couldn't even really compare ice versus ball. But I do know a lot of the guys that come in playing ice um, have a different perspective of it before they play and then after they play. After they play, like, oh, that was not what I expected it to be. It was a little different skill set than I'd anticipated. So, I mean, I, I think, you know, I think ball hockey makes ice hockey players better. I don't see how it wouldn't. Um, but yeah, it's just, it's a different transition. I've seen so many ice hockey guys come over and just the running at full speed with a ball and, and shooting is, it's different than being able to glide and take a shot. You know, it's just different. Absolutely. It's, it's, it's very, it's very different. And um, like to, to the, to the fairness of our wild selects, I mean, they're the pioneers of the first Gloucester team, Gloucester Mass ever to step foot on Lemonster to even be exposed. And in all fairness, they had never stepped on the deck rink before other than the practices that we had on these smaller rinks. So um, we give them credit. And, and I told them, I've, I've been where you guys are. I know what it's like to take the skates off, go out here and try to run around and be, get your butt kicked. Okay. <laughs> you know, and, and uh, you know, so to them, I'm, I'm still, I'm proud of our coaches. I'm proud that we did that. Um, and I'm hoping that we're hoping that when our rink is built, we'll see more, wild select teams come and compete do a pretty good job so um, yeah hope, hopefully it kind of made them you know a little pissed off and be like all right i want to go beat these guys now i want to keep doing this yeah i, I don't know if i <laughs> i think some of them like i said danny was like a, a deer in headlights and and uh you know i know there's a few of them that have that mindset and then i know there's some of them that are like wow i don't I don't enjoy running as much as I like skating. And that's totally fine too. You know, that's totally fine. But I, I think it's, I think it's more than okay to, to, to understand that the games are different. Um, but there are skills that are transfer, transferable to, to both sides of it. So. Um, well, yeah. Cause I think the big part of it is the idea that, you know, it's the access to ice. I mean, even if you're a hockey player, there's so many times of the year that you might not have access to ice. So you're going to spend a lot of time playing. And, and, and if there's opportunities in leagues that or even if there's small pickups or things like that, or there's a rink in your area, 
that's going to translate a lot better than just kind of shooting either on, you know, your driveway. I mean, we used to play in our street and our, in our street was not level at all, and we would just have, it was like, what, you know, we would be like game on, you know, move the things and, you know, it's like, and, and cars got used to it. And, but like, if the rink was in Gloucester, we would have been up there a ton because you're not on the ice. If you're not on a, you know, a select team or playing, you know, in, in traveling all over the place. And even from a money perspective, that's the big thing that I love about ball hockey is just like you can just grab a stick and play. It's not like $800, you know, ice uh, skates and, you know, really expensive sticks and, you know, millions of pucks and things like that. Like it's just so easy to kind of get someone started. So, yeah, you know, those are the huge things. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely something that I've taken for granted because I started playing street hockey when I was five years old on a rink in an organized league. And as this has grown and I've gotten to meet more people, people like people have been like, oh my, really? Like you played at five? I'm like, yeah, that's just kind of how it was where I grew up. Like we just had street hockey leagues that you could always play in. And, um, you know, it seems like a lot of areas are trying to get to that. But I, at the time, obviously I was five years old. I didn't really know how to think yet, but I didn't know that like it was, uh, you know, this was a unique situation for me to be in and be able to play on a rink like this. So, yeah, I mean, what you guys are doing down there is awesome. That's going to create, I mean, if those street hockey programs don't exist in South Jersey, like I miss out on tons of memories and opportunities playing this sport. Like I would just wouldn't have been able to do it. So, you know, having that rink is just a gateway to a lot of awesome stuff for younger kids. Big thank you, Anthony. So, so to wrap up, we got the Mila Cup in a couple of weeks. You're a busy guy. Um, what's the best way for people to get in touch with you or the MBHL staff? Uh, anything you want to share? Yeah, I mean, if you if you have any questions or anything, just our, our number the the Instagram that at National Ball Hockey League Instagram is what we use the most. So if you want to get in touch with us, that's probably the best way. Um, you could email us uh, league at the nbhl.com if you got questions. Um, yeah, and I mean, we're going to, next week, I think we're going to release the schedule. Um, we're working on some graphics and stuff right now and how we're going to exactly do that, but the schedule should be out soon. Um, we'll release the information on how to watch the live stream soon. So everything will be out. If you just keep ch checking our socials between our Facebook, our Instagram, our website, like we will have everything out uh, soon. Um, a lot of people ask us about what the format's going to be. Each team will play three games on Saturday. Um, you know, we kind of look at that as everyone's coming from all over the place, played on different rink sizes, slightly different rules. Um, it's kind of like an adjustment day. You get Saturday to play three games, adjust to the rink, adjust to the surface, adjust to any rules that are different. Everyone makes the playoffs on Sunday. Saturday just seeds everybody. Sunday is single loss elimination until we get to our championship games and the tier two championship is slotted for 4.30 on Sunday. The tier one championship is slotted for six o'clock on Sunday, but on. based on overtimes and stuff, that might not be exactly where it ends up. But yeah, starting at 8 a.m. on Saturday, going until probably like 8 p.m. And then Sunday, we're starting early at 8 a.m. again and going until the, you know, that tier one final end, whenever that might be. But yeah, live streams, a lot of way to access everything. It should all be um, accessible for anybody who wants to see it. Yeah, again, great job, Anthony. Congratulations. Uh, you know, big congrats. This has been a 
fun for us to watch from afar. If I could get to New Jersey, I would. So I think maybe <laughs> next year, Dan, I got to pencil it in, buddy. I got to pencil in the NBA well, playoffs yeah. next year. Not uh, <laughs> so I get to it. Um, but I, I'm I'm thrilled for you guys. I I really am. It, it means a lot. Thank you for for doing this again today. It's great to see you. Um, as usual, and um, you know, we'll be in touch anyway as as things progress. Um. But uh, Danny, any any last thoughts you, or any last questions? No, I think I just just to reiterate what Kala said. I mean, I, it's really exciting, and I'm almost really new. I mean, to this whole experience, so it's kind of more of like a, you know, I'm shell shocked myself. I think you know, I, I've only just started really following the the Facebook page and following like your coverage of the barstool. Um, you know, tournament was better than Barstool itself, you know, partially because, you know, they have, you know, a ton of content. So it's a little bit difficult to follow all the different stories they have on Facebook, but it was like, you know, getting all that information was very clear and concise, seeing all the updates from all the teams around the United States. So it's like you were saying, exciting to a kid who's only 15 years old. I mean, it's even exciting, you know, to someone myself at 32, you know, to, to really be like, Oh, you know, if I, if I did not, you know, if I kept up with it or something, you know, I could, you know, play more often or things like that. And there's so many people around that, you know, as they get exposed to it, they'll be one, you know, even more a part of it. They get their kids into it. You know, it's, it's just a really exciting time. So yeah. you know, we thank you. No, no. Thank you guys for saying all that. I mean, it's not just, you know, it's, we have a group of four of us that do everything at the NBHLN, but there are so many people involved in making this league run. Like the directors running the divisions, the captains running the teams, the players showing up to games, even people who like, like if you throw us a like or a share on social media, like all of that stuff has grown the league and made it possible. So it's, 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 you know, it's been humbling for us to see how everyone has really, really embraced it and done, gone leaps and bounds over what we've asked of them to make sure that this has run smoothly. So it's a lot of people to thank, a lot of people that have done it. So I think everyone's just excited to see all the hard work for everybody pay off at this Mylar Cup. And hopefully it's a good weekend. And, um, you know, we're just, we hope people are watching. So it'll be fun. For sure. For sure. And, um, one last question. Will you be making it up for uh, the New England Classic in Pittsburgh this year? or I will be up there, yeah. What team will we be playing for? Uh, Garden State Warriors. Garden State Warriors. Okay, so yeah. that's where I will see you then. In yeah, all right. I'll see you there. Yeah, we got – hey, we got Tier 2s coming to Massachusetts next year. You guys should come hop in. Come play. We we have a team that's in formation right now. Yeah. Uh, it's just – Danny and I are probably the oldest. We got to get them mobilized. They, we actually – Quick, quick story before we head off is um, this team that we were forming was supposed to play in the Shamrock shootout up in Drake it. I don't know yeah. if you heard this, but that rink closed. Yeah, I did see that. It's gone. So it's been pretty disappointing. And of course, COVID, you know, has affected a lot of people. So, um, and like I said, we're fortunate to play this game, but, but yeah, so hopefully uh, I'll, I'll see you there in fit in Pittsburgh and uh, <laughs> the, tur the tram. So for those of you tuning in today, uh, Check out the NBHL playoffs, the Milet Cup on September 18 and 19. Right, Anthony? All right. Yeah. Perfect. Uh, check, check it out. If you have any questions for Anthony, he's a very accessible guy, um, really down-to-earth guy. Thank you to Dan uh, Danny as well today for joining. I don't know what's up next. It, it might be Ruiz. It could be just you and I chatting about the future of ball hockey in our own town. Uh, but until next time, everybody, I want to say thank you again to Anthony. Have a great day. And uh, as always, keep playing.
Yep. Thanks, guys. I appreciate it. Thank you.